Check Podcasts. Hi, I'm Bruce Williams. I'm the CEO of the Greater Victoria Chamber of Commerce. This is Chamber Chats, and I would like to begin by acknowledging that I live and work in the ancestral, unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking nations, the Songhees and the Esquimalt. Our privilege and honour to live and work alongside them every day. As always, we are coming to you from the podcasting studios at Czech Television, and Chamber Chats is made possible through the support of Island Savings, a division of First West Credit Union. Housing is a thing right now. That's what people are talking about when it comes to workforce, where you're going to live, the cost of it all. And when we structure what our municipalities and our cities and our communities look like, the old term used to be, well, we're going to build a subdivision. What's happening more now, though, is we're actually building neighborhoods. We're building communities. And the people who lead those projects, in most cases, are very innovative and inclusive people. One of the greats at that is my guest today on Chamber Chats. John Stovell is the uh, president and CEO of Reliance Properties. John, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You, you've done some properties and developments. Uh, in, you're doing some in Victoria, but in Vancouver that people would be very familiar with. Can you describe some of the things that you've created there? Now, we do like to focus on on community building communities. You said one of our our you know in the past large areas of endeavor has been in Gastown, which of course is Vancouver's you know historical neighborhood, along with Chinatown and Yale Town, and you know has a lot of a lot of similarities to Victoria's old town. And that's an area we've been very active in for well over 25 years and, and you know, took what were just a lot of properties that our ownership had accumulated over the years, old needle trade buildings and so on. And mm-hmm. as those industries moved on um, and, and those buildings needed a new future, we found a lot of opportunities to, 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 to continue to build community by bringing residents into those areas that had typically been retail and commercial areas that bring residents in with artist studios and heritage law conversions. We've done a lot of that and having, having done some of the largest conversions in Gastown and along Vancouver's uh, waterfront port, as well as some, um, you know, building some new buildings, some very significant new buildings in, in Gastown, which is always difficult and challenging in a heritage area. Uh, you've been very creative in creating micro living spaces, which would enable people to live in a neighborhood where they want to live at a price point that they can afford. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, this is something we first uh, almost stumbled on in Gastown, where we had an old uh, single room occupancy hotel that had been shut down by the city for fire uh, violations. We purchased it at an auction and uh, it was subject to a a bylaw that protects single family or single room occupancy hotels that it couldn't be converted. And and, and for for it to stay qualifying, it had to have apartments that were under 300 square feet. So, but it was gutted, it was never going to come back. So we worked with the planning department and we created our first microloft project, which was, you know, highly amenitized, complete homes in, in a very small, um, in that case, the average was 265 square feet footprint, a full kitchen, full bathroom, uh, Murphy bed, you know, high quality, very high quality finishes. And, and we really um, did well with that project and found that we were tapping into a whole new um demographic who are very eager to, you know, we call it the first rung on the housing ladder. This was a rental project. They were very eager to establish their first home. They really needed a place to lay their head, to have a shower, to eat, to, to, to take some rest, and then go out and do it again, whether it was working or recreating or both young people in the inner city. And that led to a whole series of micro-law projects. Um, we did a whole tower in, in central Surrey in, in the lower mainland of Vancouver. We did, of course, the very famous Janion project in downtown Victoria, which was a derelict heritage building, which we were able to bring back to life. And we've continued to, to do and 
built that microloft type of housing. And um, sometimes people criticize it. They say, oh, you know, who wants to live in a little apartment like that? At least in jail, you get three meals a day. You know, there's there's always the naysayers. But what we found is there's almost an infinite demand for people who need to establish that first home, whether it's renting or buying. And um, they often move on fairly quickly, but there's a whole new batch of people ready to move in and establish their first home there. So it's been a really great innovation for us. And we've worked very hard on making those beautiful places to live to the extent that, you know, yes, they're very small, but they have high quality interiors, a lot of modal furniture, walls that move, wall beds, um, very compact and efficient cabinets. So it's been quite interesting technological exploration for us as well as a, a type of real estate. So in this uh, living circumstance we have now in the housing crisis, if you will, what's the future of that now going forward in these spaces? I have to think it's going to be pretty robust. Yeah, I mean, it continues to be challenging um, politically. Some um, municipalities have minimum unit sizes, which prevent it from happening. We find the ideal size for these micro suites for, for the studio type is about 250 to 320 square feet. We also do micro one and micro two types where we have movable walls where you know, you can have a bedroom that converts to a living space during the day by opening up the walls and raising the wall bed. And so all of that, but there, you know, it's expensive. The, the, you know, you have more units per square foot of building. Your construction tolerances are tighter. And as I say, you, sometimes you have municipal objections. You have bylaws uh, on minimum unit sizes. Sometimes you have just political resistance to these projects, which is odd given, you know, how it's addressing you know, what we call entry-level housing or, you know, bottom rung of the housing ladder for a very large sector of uh, particularly the youth economy. There are some who sort of paint all developers, if you will, with the same brush saying that they're disreputable and they're just in it for the money. And I've, I've lived in places where I kind of had the impression of whoever built the place I was living in because it wasn't built very well. You're not one of those right. guys. You're not one of those guys at all. Health of a community, civic duty, all of those things are a part of your whole philosophy. Where does that sense of responsibility come from? You know, I think um, personally for myself, I think it really started with, you know, my upbringing where, you know, my, my father was a scientist. Um, my mother worked in in a university administration and, and, uh, and, you know, my parents were always very focused on that we should strive to succeed, but that we should think about the, the greater good of society as well. And it, it, it can be challenging as a developer to say you're thinking about the greater good of society, but we really do. And um, we do that by you know, doing thoughtful design, thoughtful development, doing high quality design. And, and, and then outside of that, I participate very broadly in volunteer and community activities. Uh, for instance, I was the chair of the Gastown Business Improvement Society for many years. I chair the Urban Development Institute, which is the, which is really the, the um, I suppose someone called a lobby group of the 600, um, 600 member development industry, one of the biggest industries in the province. But we my interest in doing that is to engage with government, to engage with policymakers and try and come up with good approaches to building community and building housing. And, you know, a certain amount of just raw passion for our work. We just, we want to be proud of what we build. And we also build a lot of rental. And so we're owning this real estate for the long term. And so it's just kind of an approach to seeing real estate as, as, as both a for-profit business, but to some degree, a, 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 a role where you can fulfill some sense of civic duty. Yeah, we're going to talk specifically about some things you're doing in, uh, in Greater Victoria, which we've spoken about on the Chamber Chats before, Royal Bay in Colwood and Royal Beach, uh, and the properties downtown in uh, sort of north of downtown, the Capital Ironlands and 
right. and the hydro lands, and we'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, I mean, other big cities that you would think would be on top of this stuff have turned to you for guidance and advice. For example, New York City. People in New York City reached out and said, John, what you're doing is amazing. Tell me yeah. about that process. Yeah, I mean, particularly the microloft you know, phenomenon that just happened at a time when it really caught the attention of, of it, it became a, it was a very small project. The first one we did, it was only 30 units in the downtown east side of all places, the corner of mm. Hastings and Carroll, you know, a very tough area of the city. But it, it, it did become a national news story. Um, PBS put a whole camera crew on a plane flew them out here, did a full documentary on, on that building. And then ultimately we were contacted by the planning, head of the planning department of New York City. Um, and we went out uh, and we went out to see them and, and to basically, you know, give them a presentation and, and a brief on how this type of micro housing could could serve a need. You know, again, it's not forever. It's not for everybody, but it serves a very important need. And, and, and actually quite soon after that, I believe it was Mayor Bloomberg um, um, made a specific announcement of some relaxations in New York City policies that would allow micro loss to be built. So we're proud of that. They didn't give us credit for it, but then, hey, they're New Yorkers. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we're going we're yeah. to bring the conversation back to town here now next yeah. here on Chamber Chats. John Stovell is my guest today. He is the president and CEO of Reliance Properties. We're going to talk about Royal Bay and we're going to talk about um, Capital Ironlands and those things. But you mentioned the Janion building. I used to work very close to that building. And for years and years, a bunch of us would always walk by and go, what is going to happen with this? It was, it, but t tell me about how that evolved and how you eventually got that project going. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it really goes back to our heritage practice in Gastown. And, you know, I, I was mentioning that we have done a lot of heritage buildings, probably the largest heritage redeveloper in Vancouver, along with uh, maybe Robert Crumb from Salient, who's also now active in Victoria. And what actually happened was we ran out of heritage buildings in Vancouver. There aren't a lot. Um, by about the mid 2000s, they had all pretty much been redone already, reinvested in, re redeveloped, you know, restored, or either that or they were the old SR hotels, which are you know, you can't adapt. And so we literally came to Victoria to try and find more heritage opportunities. It's something we knew how to do, something we were passionate about. And like you, I had driven in my various visits to Victoria by the Janion many times, looking at this beautiful old ornate building all boarded up as, as I also saw the Northern Junk, which happened to be owned by the same family right. just across the, the bridgehead. And, you know, we ultimately just engaged, uh, you know, with the ownership and through some intermediaries and we, we plugged away at it. And it was a very famously, of course, that one and the Northern Junk, very famously unavailable buildings, you know, this kind of idiosyncratic ownership who, you know, said they would never sell and yet didn't invest in the building or, or it was just falling apart. Ultimately, we managed to buy it by hook or by crook. We managed to buy it. And, um, we got some great heritage incentives from the city of Victoria. We managed to buy from Transport Canada the land behind the building, between the back of the building down to the waterfront, and put together a project that involved, you know, a, a new significant addition, a new building basically on the back, and the restoration of the beautiful old Janney building. It won many awards. It's it's a very uh, popular and successful building with the local community, and I'm very proud of it when I when I walk around Victoria today and look at that as our first project. And it was a bit of an icebreaker for us in Victoria as well. It was a very, very tough project. I didn't make a lot of money, frankly, but I think we, we were able to demonstrate our, our, our commitment um, and credibility to follow through on the redevelopment of a very delicate old building. And it, it, it's helped us, I think, um, you know, in our endeavors in Victoria since. 
Well, you know, residents are proud of things like that happening in their own neighborhood and in their own city, too. So you you live sometimes in Victoria, sometimes in Vancouver, so you know yeah. all that. So when you're here, you saw the opportunity in the West Shore. There's so much opportunity there. So you got together with Seacliff, I believe, is the other partner in Royal right. in Royal Beach, which is the lower half of the Royal Bay community right on Machosen Road. And you've yes. got a big vision, a big plan for that, including densifying the amount of population. So walk me through this process that, that led you to here. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we were, you know, since coming and buying the old Janion building, um, you know, back in, in 2010, we built up a fairly substantial portfolio in Victoria and um, of, of office buildings and a number of development sites. But we, of course, started to, you know, as, as I went out and played golf on the weekends, frankly, is sort of how I got onto it, started getting out into the Western communities and really starting to get an appreciation that was of what was going on out there and, and that. A little bit coming out of COVID too, we, we saw, I think, the opportunity for a little bit of a rebalancing between um, hyper-urban development, which has really been our background, and, and a certain amount of judicious, what you would call subdivision at the beginning, you know, judicious community building outside the city center, especially when there are very high quality attributes like waterfront or, or good nature context. And so we, as I drove around out in Langford and went and met with the mayor out there and looked at many opportunities, that was always the property that um, struck me as, as you know, the, particularly the rural beach side, uh, east of the road down to the water, struck me as the most remarkable property I'd ever seen in, 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 in a kind of a suburban context um, on South Vancouver Island. And just coincidentally, um, before I even made a move, we were contacted by Seacliff, um, who I suppose had heard that we were, you know, in the market looking around and, and, and said that, hey, Seacliff usually just sells uh, subdivisions, but they had bought that property four or five years earlier and got a, an amazing rezoning approved on it. And they thought it was such an amazing property that they didn't want to sell it. They wanted to develop it and, and keep a, a significant amount of it as legacy assets for their, their holding company, their family company. And so they invited us. They invited a few groups to, to, to propose partnership arrangements with them. And we worked with them for almost a year, uh, kind of dating and, and ultimately put that deal together and actually just closed and purchased a half interest in that very substantial property just a couple of months ago. And that's going to be uh, up to almost 3,000 homes and up to uh, 800,000 square feet of commercial space. Um, it's already been zoned by Colwood. There's lots of um, fine grain design and details and things to work out and road networks and transportation, all those great things to come. But we're very excited in that and we're getting ready to launch the first phase of that project and we're already building a new intersection right now at the entrance to the site. Yeah, it's going to be a spectacular place and as you said the mayor and council, Mayor Rob Martin and council have been assisting this all the way along because it's for the benefit of that that greater community. Do you get into the conversations though around things like transportation because we already know that moving people from the west shore around the region has its challenges at certain times of the day. Uh, there's a plan pending for a possible West Shore ferry, for example, into downtown right. from Royal Bay. Do you get involved in those conversations at all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, even within the site, which is a which is a massive site, it's 135 acres with 43 acres of parks. Uh, we worked very hard to develop a road system um, that provides active transportation opportunities for bicycles um, and walking and jogging and running. We also um, uh, are are upgrading intersection, developing and adding bus stops. Uh, TransLink, we're working with TransLink because they're going to be carefully monitoring the growth in that community and going to have to start to add bus service. But of course, the ferry is the most exciting of all. And so much so that the, the ownership, this is involving us now in Seacliff, have agreed 
with the municipality to set a piece of property aside for um, up to five years in order to make room for a ferry terminal and parking facility should it come along. Um, we'd still have to make a business a business arrangement with BC Ferries or, what, or the province, whoever it would be, but we are setting that land aside. We're going to stay away from that piece of land until the ferry proposition has had a chance to run its course. And very exciting thought that, that a passenger ferry like the C-Bus in Vancouver mm -hmm. um, could, could, could you know, bolt across into um, Esquimalt Inlet or into Victoria Harbour. I mean, when you look at, when you really understand how Royal Beach sits relative to the city of Victoria, as the crow flies, they're very close together. They're only a long drive because you have to go around, you know, Esquimalt Inlet. So it's a very exciting prospect. And uh, we understand that um, it may, in the next budget, there may be funding for um, the province to provide BC ferries to complete the feasibility study that initial work has been done already. Yeah, we've been working with BC ferries and the government on that too, sort of as an advocate for that to happen. So we understand yeah. it's not in this year's fiscal plan, but it might be in next year's. So stay tuned yeah. for that. So things like like Royal Beach, are, uh, the word I always use is transformative for a municipality. The other one you're, right. you're going to be working on is going to be very transformative for the city of Victoria. I want to talk, right. about, talk about that one next. Our guest today on Chamber Chats is John Stovell. He is the president and CEO of Reliance Properties. John, you and I first met at a meeting that was talking about the plans for the region just sort of north of downtown Victoria. It's being called the Capital Iron Land or the Green Lands, and there's the power of the hydro lands just north of that. That's a, that's a huge vision. That's going to be transformative. So tell me about that. Yeah, this is, a, I think, in some ways, one of the most exciting things that we're working on now. This is a seven-acre site. Uh, series of buildings and parking lots that we purchased from the Green family, who are the original previous owners of the land and still own and run the Capital Iron uh, business that we all know and love. Um, and so this, this purchase was sort of fortuitous in that it was, it happened at the same time that Victoria City Council, um, and I think largely driven by Mayor Helps, created what's called Victoria 3.0, which is a long-term vision for the future of Victoria's economic and, you know, vision for the whole city, really, the economic future of the city. And within that, they, they created what's called the Arts and Innovation District, which is runs from basically Chatham Street, right at Capital Iron, uh, up to Rock Bay itself, which is that bay that comes into the old hydrolands, and from the waterfront at the west, you know, along the Victoria Inner Harbor, all the way to a government, all the way to Douglas Street, actually. It's a huge area. And we are seven acres, which is the old Capital Iron Lands, really the gateway to that um, arts and innovation district from the from the old town from the rest of the downtown people approaching from both the south and also from the, the Harris Green area to the east that's being built up and this idea of the arts and innovation district is a kind of a collider culture where you take industry uh, marine industry high technology office space you know commercial retail restaurants showrooms residents um, art galleries artist studios and you smash them all together to try to create this kind of spark of creativity and synergies when these different types of groups come together. And it, it really is much more than just an idea. It's something that's really got legs already. We already have the Art Gallery Greater Victoria committing to come to the site, uh, moving and building a brand new building from their Moss Street location. We have a whole building full of artist studios over on 780 Blanchard that we want to move to the site. I just met this morning with the representatives of Coast which is um, the South Island Prosperity Trust's funded um, ocean futures technology cluster, where they wanna bring together a whole bunch of different businesses that work in ocean, ocean science, ocean technology, put them together on one site in one place where they can 
pursue their own business objectives, but also have kind of a collider synergy. We, we met with them today about coming there. We're talking to Victoria Performing Arts Groups, um, and we've got high-tech uh, high tech tenants and um, other types of businesses just clamoring to come to that area. So we've submitted a rezoning application for that project. Um, our first phase is planned to be where the parking lot is across from Cap Iron, where we want to build the Art Gallery Greater Victoria, a light industrial and office innovation building, and an artist studio live work building. Put that all together in the first phase. And it goes on from there. It's a total of uh, about 850,000 square feet and 15 buildings on, on that site that we expect to be building over the next 10 to 12 years. So you're basically building a new community. Yeah, it really is. It's like a it's like an extension of the city. It's a it's a it's a kind of vibrant but physically kind of moribund part of you know the city that needs renewal. Mm -hmm. And the trick is to do all that renewal, but still hold hold on to some of that soul that that Rock Bay has of that maker culture, that innovative startup businesses, all those things. And striking that balance is, is a very um, very engaging challenge. And uh, the city council in Victoria seems to be very behind it. Mayor helps is a huge booster. Uh, for this project um, to the extent she can be with a single vote and has great vision for it. So, Yeah, um, I think there's also talk about it making uh, strides toward being the brewery district, the craft brewery. It kind yeah. of is already. You've got, yeah, you've got Phillips, you've got Island Brewing there, you've got Phillips Brewing who are already there. Yeah. There's some very interesting businesses around there. There's another very interesting business called Club Quench. Yes. Which is a, uh, a, a, a co-working space over top of the Phillips uh, old uh, uh, hydro or, or hydroelectric or streetcar shed there. But that's a whole culture in itself, that that co-working space. And it's the first place that UVic has ever established a location downtown other than the old legacy gallery. So it's really that area is, is just, you can just feel it percolating and it's about to become something I think really pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's very exciting. And you're a huge catalyst and all of that. Just about out of time, John, I want to ask you quickly about a thing that's pending too. And you mentioned Blanchard Street. So if you're going uh, south on Blanchard where it starts to curve, this is really funky looking building right there. And you want to do something with that too. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's an old Art Deco building that um, was built by the government in 1948, continuously occupied by the government until April 2019. And it was the original home of the BC Power Commission. Hmm which was the ancestral firm to um, BC Hydro. And, you know, we're responsible for creating all the dams and, you know, that, you know, the, from the fifties and sixties in, in, in the interior BC and, and was occupied by government, various ministries for decades. They moved out in April. We're planning to convert that beautiful art deco building to um, a hotel. And this is sitting right in the pocket between the Empress and the Doubletree and the Marriott and the Chateau Victoria and the Parkside uh, with residences on top. Um, so it's heritage restoration, it's new housing, but in the meantime, we filled it up with studios, artist studios. There were three different artist studio groups, all being evicted from various buildings that were getting redeveloped in coincidentally, mainly in the Rock Bay area. And we were able to gather those three groups up and put them in. And we now have about 70 or 80 artist studios operating inside that, that old office building. There was many little offices from the old government offices. And so the artists just took and just moved into all the studios. And there was an artist studio open there about three weeks ago when there were 1,600 people came through that building on a Saturday afternoon wow. to tour the artist studios. So that demonstrates the kind of depth and, and power of that organic artist community in Victoria, which, is, which isn't something we talk about enough. But, uh, you know, we've always been a big supporter of the arts. We gave $7 million to Emily Carr's new College of Art and Design in, uh, in, Victoria, in Vancouver, and we're big supporters here. And... Um, we're really glad to have gathered up that 
that population of passionate young artists. And we really hope that we can, as we develop 78 Blanchard, that we can find a way working with the city to move them over to the Capital Culture District, Capital Iron site we were just talking about. I will use the word again. What you're doing is transformative in these neighborhoods, John. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for all you're doing and the investment you're making in our region. It's a pleasure to have you as a member of the chamber too. So welcome. Thank you for your interest and uh, I look, look forward to being a member. John Stovell is the president and CEO of Reliance Properties. And I'm Bruce Williams. We'll see you again for another Chamber Chat. Thank you.